This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode was recorded in Australia and is presented by Fluent Commerce, the leader in smart cloud native omnichannel order management at fluentcommerce.com. So my name's Shane Linton and I'm the CIO at Q Clothing. Uh, what I love about retail and tech is the rate of change. Uh, it's fun. Uh, fashion's fun and technology and fashion is fun. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location with Pavan Ball, Rob Sanchez, and Mark Rako. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fashion Is Your Business. We are recording live here at the online retailer program in partnership with Nora Network and Fluent Commerce. Uh, I am your host, Pavan Ball, and today I have a, co- a co-host uh, with me. Uh, of course, this is uh, Jamie Cairns. He is of Fluent Commerce. What's going on, Jamie? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you holding up today, man? Yeah, good. It's a uh, it's a busy show, so there's a lot of people to meet, a lot of things to see. It's Dude, great. Dude, last here. time I saw you was Las Vegas. Yeah, there's a picture. Uh, there I usually is a try picture. and avoid We put those. up a picture on the mantle over here, so anyone that goes to show notes will uh, will probably see a picture uh, of us uh, having a good time at a looks like a, I think that was a cocktail lounge. Seems sorts. unlikely. Yeah. Well, anyhow, uh, our <laughs> onto the show is we have Shane Lenton of Q Clothing. Um, welcome to the show, Shane. What's going on? Thank you. How's online retailer treating you today? Uh, this morning, there's been some great presentations, great keynotes on, and a few good breakout panels. So it's yeah, it's really interesting. Excellent. So let's start here. Uh, why don't you give our uh, audience uh, maybe a high level overview of who you are and uh, what Q Clothing is all about? Um, so. As I mentioned, I'm the CIO at Q Clothing. Um, I look after everything IT related as well as uh, I manage the digital and e-com teams. So within that, um, e-commerce, um, business systems, CRM. So it's quite a broad remit. Um, and as a business, I mean, it's an exciting year for us. We're celebrating our 50th birthday, which is a you know amazing, amazing feat um, in retail, particularly in this day and age. Um, we're Australia's largest local manufacturer of fashion, so still making local, which is, again, another fantastic uh, concept and uh, there's something we're very proud of. Um, on top of that, we've got Veronica Main and Dion Lee, are two of our other brands, all women's fashion. Um, yeah, so it's an exciting time to be in retail. Now, you have emerged uh, as a bit of a, a thought leader um, in the space of, you know, omni-channel or just kind of new retail strategy, whether it's in-store or online. Can you talk a little bit about that and uh, some of the thought leadership that you've been doing? Yeah, for sure. So um, I suppose when, when I talk about our online, offline, omni-channel, from my perspective, it's our retail strategy. Uh, there's a big buzzword that I use at the moment being unified commerce. So for us, it's all about uh, providing that consistent experience for the customer whether they be shopping online, um, whether they be communicating with our customer care team, phone, email, live chat, um, or you know shopping with us online in store. So from our perspective, it's just unifying these channels uh, to one retail channel, as we like to say. It's interesting that this year it went like in January in NRF in New York. Um, I started seeing unified commerce as the common buzzword. 
it's a, it's amazing that it moved from omnichannel to unified. So I'm wondering what's going to be next, but um, it makes complete sense. It, yeah, it fits sure. nicely. Yeah, look, it's a, it's another evolution of uh, of retail, really. Um, the you know from multi-channel to omni-channel was all about trying to bring things together. Uh, from my perspective, unified commerce is all about having as much as possible a core platform that's doing all the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that's interconnecting with that via API and stepping away from the batch processing and you know overnight processes that historically have happened with that omni-channel process where we've tr- really tried to glue things together. This is all about having a good DNA in technology and overall i mean so right now i think that it's most relevant with you two gentlemen with me is to, is to talk about you know the age-old question of uh you know is 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 retail dead or physical retail uh dead and of course um folks that are in the trenches understand that it's just a it's a new day and age there's a new format and a new model that needs to be adopted for it to be successful and very successful it can be. Um, so why don't we start there? What are your overall reflections? And I'll start with you, Jamie, uh, on where the current state of retail is and, you know, just talking about the current future, if that is. Yeah, I, I, I liked your introduction, Shane, saying the rate of change and the pace of retail is exciting. It's as exciting as it's ever been. And that absolutely doesn't mean that physical retail is dead or any of those stories that were going around a couple of years ago. It's reinventing itself. And and whenever anything reinvents itself, there are small incremental changes that take place. There are extreme changes of business model that take place. And you see some of the the pure play retailers, um, both in the US, in Europe, here, in, in China, reinventing themselves in an online world. You see retailers that used to hold stock in stores, only having people come in to browse and order for delivery to home. There are some extreme measures, and then there are other more incremental measures. Those those really um, customer-focused retailers that have had a personal connection to their customers over their lifetime and and to last 50 years, uh, surely Q is one of the, the... the leaders in that space, making incremental changes, making their stores more useful to the way people want to shop today. People still want to shop in stores. All the research shows us that people want to shop in stores. They maybe just don't want to shop in stores the way they were run 10 years ago. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. So, I mean, with Q Clothing specifically, it seems that you've done a, a tremendous job of making these stores, utilizing them as distribution points, right? So actually fulfillment centers of, of its own. So having that distributed network and, and, and being able to leverage that, can you talk that through a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, from our perspective, we're a designer-led business. So in saying that, we don't mass produce, although we do have a wide footprint of stores. So for us, every store doesn't get every product or style. We release up to 30 new styles every week um, across our, each, each of our brands. So um, for us leveraging that inventory at store level, whereas traditionally we would have tried to um, have a reasonably large stock holding front line. However, we'll take in a, a, a measured risk in that and, and potentially, um, you know, quarantining that product for one particular channel, um, whereas we have a great opportunity. I mean, we have 80% of our inventory is at store level. So suddenly we're wow. providing that opportunity for the customer uh, to shop um, whether it be online, in-store, or even via our customer care team, have access to the entire inventory. So it's been a real game-changer for us. What is your in-store footprint? Like, how many retail locations are we talking about? Um, so standalone stores that we own and operate, we have close to 100 here in Australia and around 15 in New Zealand. And then on top of that, we're in uh, the Myron and David Jones department stores across our brands. 
quite a big footprint, actually. That's excellent. Um, so how are you doing this? Is this proprietary software that you're utilizing, or is this, uh, is this something that you're licensing through? Um, so it's, it's a product that um, is a point of sale, essentially, which has evolved into a retail management system um, off from a company that we've, um, you know, we've bought the software and they license the software. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been lucky enough to partner with them in the sense of, uh, I mean, the word partnership gets thrown around a lot between vendors and um, and uh, retailers, but in this instance, it absolutely has been, and it has been a journey to use, throw another word out there. Um, they've evolved as we have evolved, um, and it's been a sort of co-developed under their team and guidance. Um, they've been very open and agile with their change, um, and it's allowed us to build out that re- core retail platform with them um, and utilise their platform to then execute with other partnerships, you know, with the guys from Shippet, with the store base fulfillment and, and allowing us to, um, you know, get real-time, make real-time decisions on getting the product to the customer in the most cost-effective and fast way has been super important. Just as an example, I mean, traditionally we would have um, had a customer in store and may have tried on a size 10 in a dress that didn't fit them. Uh, they wanted a size 8. Uh, that store in this case didn't have that product. We would have said to the customer, we'll order that in from another store that process would have taken up to a week. Um, and we all know how that works. Yeah. The customer's moved on. They've bought something else from somewhere else. Uh, we play phone tag um, in a week's time. And in most cases, we didn't convert that mm-hmm. to a sale. Whereas now, in real time, we've got inventory um, visibility. We can make the sale there and then and then kick off the order orchestration through this unified commerce platform. Um, and the item is um, getting delivered to the customer in the most cost-effective manner. So it's, it's working really and, well. And we're talking about in hours, not in days at this point. Yeah. So one of the other exciting things that we've recently uh, gone to market with is three-hour delivery from close to 90 of those stores nationally. And from our perspective, I mean, that is a real competitive advantage over pure play retail. I mean, having in a country like Australia with the geograph- geographical challenges that we have, um, it, it's, it's a major game changer for us. Shane, I hear a lot of retailers I speak to say um, shipping from store or fulfilling orders from store is too difficult. I don't have uh, the staff rostering set up for it. Um, I've got a high turnover of staff. How have you dealt with managing that change? Uh, clearly, you, you're doing it quite successfully, so you must have gone through some of those challenges that people foresee. What was this, what, what, what lessons have you learned? Yeah, look, um, first and foremost, um, I think we took the task of understanding where our deliveries were coming from to start with, just to understand what the volumes would have put on and potentially any extra stress onto those um, teams in store. So that was um, an educated decision we made that we're okay with that based on the data. I think that was the first thing. Secondly, the this core POS unified commerce platform that we're using is the same POS that, that our staff are using every day. So we're not, we haven't had to retrain. Um, they were already successfully doing click and collect from store using that same point of sale and the pick and pack process is exactly the same. Difference is in this case rather than um, an email go to the customer via the system to notify them that an item's ready to collect, um, a courier is automatically booked and the label for that courier is printed out on the point of sale printer. So it wasn't a huge stretch. Um, that's first and foremost. Secondly, given that we have attributed those sales from online to stores where they're doing the fulfillment, 
they've been super hungry to fill those orders. Um, and again, when you, we, we talk about 90, you know, 90 to 100 stores, when you spread the, um, the load across those stores, uh, it's surprisingly not overly onerous on those teams. Um, and the fact that they're getting the sales, um, they're loving it. That, that's the other thing I hear a lot is about the discussion of attribution of the sale. And uh, great to hear that you're giving that sale to the store. I think it's probably the, the only way to guarantee engagement from those, those store staff. Um, elsewhere in the business, um, you describe your role having IT and digital under you. How, how have you organized the business structure you know, at head office, outside of the stores, outside of your role, to get that engagement across online and, and stores and, and end up with unified retail? Uh, look, first and foremost, the teams from a head office perspective, the digital team with e-commerce CRM sitting there and uh, also the IT team, they're, um, I mean, they're very much bought into this total retail um, approach. While there is shadow reporting and there's KPIs in place for um, the online and, uh, and CRM team, but overall they are really looking at the big picture as a company perspective and that's a lot easier to look at you know, from that sort of lens from a head office perspective. Um, and then as I mentioned at store level we've, we've dealt with um, you know, the channel conflict by attributing the sale, but in addition to that we've uh, recently built out a new customer care team. So historically that team would have, um, you know, they would have been working towards a 24-hour turnaround time for customer inquiries. Now they're working in real time. An email comes in, um, a phone call or live chat. So they've really flipped that and uh, they are now essentially selling. So using the same technology, whilst they don't hold any stock, um, from their perspective they have a pause uh, for each brand and each, each region. Um, so when a customer now calls up looking for a product, they are selling that item there and then. Uh, that team has um, essentially their own dashboard to track those sales, which is exciting for them. And uh, one of the other big game changers for us in, I suppose, getting success out of this uh, unified commerce approach or another, another way we phrase it is the sort of buy anywhere, fill anywhere um, strategy, and that is whereby the head office team, the customer care team, has a dashboard. And within that dashboard, they're tracking um, all of the orders, click and collect, uh, store-to-door orders whereby if the, if the store team doesn't mark that as ready uh, for collection within a give, given period of time, um, there's an SLA breach. The store gets a reminder, but that head office team is monitoring that dashboard and they're reaching out to the store. So that's been a real, um, you know, a real benefit to the way we're managing this. Excellent. I think there's a perfect place to take a quick break. And when we come back, more with Shane of Q Clothing. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, what he's seeing next and what he's looking into implementing within the store environments. When we're back, more with Fashion Is Your Business, live at Online Retailer in Sydney with Nora and Fluent Commerce. Hey, hope you're enjoying these recordings from Online Retailer. Uh, surely enjoyed being out there in Sydney and connecting with the retail environments out there. So it's exciting to bring you these insights. I uh, wanted to take a moment to thank our partner uh, for bringing us out to Online Retailer, which is, of course, Nora and Fluent Commerce. A little bit about Fluent Commerce. They are the leader in smart cloud-native omni-channel order management. 
What does that mean? Uh, they help businesses be faster and more convenient to shop with by giving them a single view of their inventory across all channels and the ability to automatically route orders to distribution centers or store locations depending on stock location, customer proximity, and shipping rates. So really cool stuff. They actually have some unbelievable clients such as uh, Samsung, French Connection, JD Sports, Top Shop, and a ton of other brands that you probably have heard of. Um, learn more about Fluent Commerce um, and what they can do for your company over at fluentcommerce.com. That's F-L-U-E-N-T commerce.com. You know where you should be? You should be at Founder Maid's Consumer Discovery Show in Santa Monica, California on October 4th. Buyers, press, and industry professionals from around the country attend to connect and make deals with the 100 leading consumer brands in beauty, wellness, and food. Whether consumer products are your career, your passion, or something you want to learn more about, join in on October 4th to meet the most exciting consumer brands on the market. And get this, you can use code CDS Mouth Media for 25% off your ticket at consumerdiscoveryshow.com. Again, that's CDS Mouth Media at consumerdiscoveryshow.com. Shane, it seems like a lot of the work that you're doing, and, and this is common amongst all retailers or businesses for that matter, is uh, looking to heighten that um, that customer journey or experience, right? So there's a lot of data and aggregation that can happen and a lot of intelligent decisions that can be made from these insights or as a byproduct. But the, the idea is really getting a good grasp and a hold of uh, what your customer wants and how to give it to them. Now, one thing that a lot of retailers are struggling with is how do you match the feel of an online transaction or vice versa to a physical retail environment. Uh, so in, um, you know, in, famously in the States, um, particularly in New York, Rebecca Minkoff's company has done a, an outstanding job of providing an in-store experience that matches uh, some, something that you would feel and touch and interact with online. Uh, how, are we, how are you accomplishing this at Q? Um, so something around that that we've recently... Um, started rolling out and that is uh, shoppable screens so essentially a kiosk mm -hmm. in store and that fits in very well with our unified commerce strategy where these screens just aren't um, you know years gone by those screens might have potentially just been you know the website on a on a tablet on an iPad so rather than that this is a connected device that enables the customer to shop our entire um, product range. And this is on the store. whole endless aisle type of strategy? Ab absolutely. Yeah. So um, a great example is I was at a store a few weeks ago uh, where we have rolled out uh, one of these screens and we had a customer, she was trying on a, a black jacket and she loved the cut, loved the jacket, loved the fabric. Um, she came out of the change rooms and asked for the same thing but with a line, line jacket with lining, uh, given it's in Sydney here, it's, uh, it's quite getting quite cool at the moment. Um, unfortunately, at that given time, at that particular store, they didn't have a jacket that was similar with lining. Uh, perfect opportunity and segue into the shoppable screen. Our staff walked over uh, to the screen with the customer, selected jackets, filtered the colour, and, um, and then filtered for lined. 
um, and there four options came up for the customer uh, that were very close to what she was looking for or what she had tried on um, and we converted that sale there and then so it's really about bringing that um, you know whilst the store to door piece has been really successful for us it's more been around sizing uh, whereas now this really opens up the whole opportunity to sell you know, all 30 plus styles that we release each week from any given store. It doesn't matter where it is. And uh, as much as we curate for our customers, uh, the data tells us you know, it's a particular type of customer in a particular location. Um, however, you can never get it 100% right. So um, it's been really exciting. It's, it's been a great opportunity to um, bring some online style shopping in store for those customers so it's been fantastic mm -hmm. yeah you've you've had uh, a journey over a couple of years to get the infrastructure and the base right to make those um what were looking like shiny new toys maybe five years ago but fell uh, fell flat on their faces where you didn't really have the uh, the backup to be able to identify where products were to be able to really follow through with them i mean there were some famous examples you know the the burberry smart mirror in the changing room and what have you that, that was very flash at the time but never really rolled out more widely. Um, what, what are you looking at next in, uh, in Q stores? Um, and, and just to touch on that, the, the five-year mark, that is when we first looked at those shoppable screens. Um, and at the time, I actually made the call uh, that we wouldn't push ahead with them at that point because I didn't see that we'd get the value or provide a great experience for the customer. Um, so, yes, we held back, uh, got the foundations right and now they're going really well and the stores are excited which is great uh, the same platform for you uh, they're a startup that were originally from uh, from Melbourne and now based in San Francisco and they've also got a connected uh, change room product that interconnects with the screens and also within POS um, so that's something that we're really excited to um, you know to work with them um, to understand where the opportunities lie and to run that through that sort of pilot phase um, that has been very successful for us with the screens. Are you cool. deploying anything in the AR space or, you know, um, I mean, of course we talked about IoT, but any other like smart hangers or RFID? Um, um, look, we, we certainly utilize the machine learning piece and, and AI through our marketing automation. Uh, we also provide recommendations um, on our website um, that are based on, you know, the machine learning from CRM data, from um, customer behaviour. Uh, we're also starting to inject some of that, uh, those recommendations into stores, um, into our pods as well. So a uh, great opportunity for us to upsell when customers, and one of the biggest things or advantages over um, through having click and collect and executing it well is driving more customers in store. And then you've got a great opportunity to upsell. You know who the customer is, you know what they've purchased. In our case, having that single view of customer as well, regardless of where they shop with us, we have full transaction history. So um, we're using that data um, and we are providing some tools in store um, where we are providing the recommendations in real time based on the inventory at that store so that when the customer comes in to collect, um, not only um, are our well-trained staff using their experience and knowledge to curate some product, they've now got that tool and, and the technology in place to back that up as well. And, and how are you looking at, um, so what type of data tools are you leveraging right now? So um, I mentioned RFID real quick, but that could also mean Things like uh, Listener, which is high frequency, you could kind of engage. You could see how your customer is engaging with the floor, uh, with different products, specifically where they're spending time, and then targeting based on that. 
Um, look, from our perspective, um, we haven't gone down that path at this point. Uh, with our store format um, and the frequency of our product drops, we, yeah, we, we haven't right now, it, well, we've certainly looked at it, but it, right now we don't see the ROIs there for us at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, similar to the screens a few years ago, RFID is now becoming more of a reality. Um, you've still got the challenges of getting, you know, from our perspective, getting it um, implemented into our supply chain. And then on top of that, um, whilst the chips themselves, the cost has come down, you've still got the cost prohibitive nature of the scanners themselves. And mm-hmm. over time, as that comes down, again, it will become the norm, I believe. I believe it's something that's, um, that's certainly accelerating with the adoption. A lot of what we've been seeing lately um, is, is around sensors and um, you know, emotional detection and things like that. Is that something that you're interested in? Uh, look, again, it's something we had, have looked at in the past. We've looked at um, you know, beacon technology within store and heat maps and things like that. But um, yeah, it's not, it's not an area of focus for us at, right, at this point. Okay, gonna shift it to checkout, payments and checkout. Is there anything in particular that you're, you're either exploring now or implementing that you're um, rather pleased with? Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, I mean, the big game changer here in Australia has been the sort of the buy now, pay later. Sure. Um, a few years ago, we would have only seen, you know, probably one vendor here. I think I counted four or five today. Yeah. Um, and I know that's something uh, with the guys from Afterpay that they're launching in the US. So for us, we were one of the f- we were the first to offer that in store. So our from our perspective, we're always uh, trying to look at a, a, that sort of multi-channel or unified commerce approach. If it's something we offer in store, we want to offer it online and and vice versa. Um, For us, from a payment perspective, where we've been innovating recently or where we've sort of been, I suppose, um, in the fashion space in Australia, from a retailer's perspective, where we've been uh, leading the market a little bit has been around payments with uh, Alipay and WeChat Pay. So we're one of the first to roll out a fully integrated payment option for our Chinese customers and potential customers in every store. And that's been amazing for us. I mean, just, and that comes down to really understanding um, consumer behaviour, potential customers and what their preferred method uh, of payment in this example is. And just to remove that friction. And we've seen some great results. Seems like uh, Australia is like, light years ahead of the US when it comes to payments light years I mean you guys tap on everything and you're out the door in like a split second we have to sit there and like punch in key pins and sign shit it's like it's unbelievable how staggering that is I found myself buying something at a supermarket in the UK recently and went to just tap my card didn't work and uh, the guy's like no there's a 30 pound limit on this uh, yeah. yeah, we're used to over we're used here it's for anything, a water, we're, we're coffee. Used to going a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, and, and and look, I must say now, in, in it wasn't that long ago where I felt guilty pulling a card out to buy a bottle of water. Whereas now, um, I don't know many people that would pull cash out. Yeah, um, and it's it's almost if, if you don't have convenience in payments. Uh, for me as a consumer, I know that it's if there's uh, friction with payments, it's a deterrent from me. Um, and we've seen the data back it up with us. Uh, in our business where we've introduced these new payments. And uh, I mean, like I say, the Chinese consumers that are traveling, uh, over 70% of all payments in China uh, on mo- via mobile devices. Mm-hmm. So you've even got the little, um, you know, stalls on the side of the road now that are accepting payments um, yep. and, and no longer accepting cash. 
It's interesting. So why don't we uh, why don't we shift gears a little bit? I want to talk to both of you about um, you know just some encouragement or thoughts around where retailers should position themselves. So you talked about a lot of really interesting kind of current futuristic things that you could deploy that you are deploying. Um, and you know, recently in the U.S. specifically, we had a major retailer, uh, Toys R Us, that went bankrupt. Uh, that reinvigorated this conversation of, you know, is retail dead? Um, I'm curious to hear both of your reflections on um, just what you think that stores can implement now, retailers can implement now, to get a little bit more nimble, a little bit more relatable, so that they're still grabbing and holding onto the attention of their customer base. Well, I, I think before. Um I'll use the phrase again, you know, they, they can look at the shiny new toys of ways of reinvigorating their retail spaces. There are some fundamentals they have to get right, you know, making stores viable, making them profitable, making sure their leases are in order, but really making sure the balance of inventory sitting across their estate is well managed, making sure that, you know, they're utilizing things like ship from store and fulfilling from store inventory for click and collect orders so that they can make those stores viable, make sure that they are not challenged and having to shut down stores and therefore mm -hmm. reduce their footprint before they can start to, to really invest heavily in the, um, uh, I, I guess, the advanced stuff, those shiny toys, the, the investments that Shane's been able to make, having spent a couple of years getting the fundamentals right. So I, I think there are lots of opportunities. I think you talked about them before, the augmented reality stuff, the stuff that you've done around um, uh, shoppable screens uh, and fitting room technology. But really, the, the, the companies that have really had real troubles, the ones that have gone to the wall, aren't necessarily failing in that they haven't had a good product or they haven't had a good engagement, but they've got fundamental challenges with the business model. As shopping has changed and there's a, a shift from uh, in-store purchasing to a unified experience where I might be researching online and then picking up in-store or having it sent from a store. The retailers that are doing really well are those that have looked at the balance sheet, looked at the viability and the profitability of all of the different aspects of their mm -hmm. business and have really started to, to, to rebalance how, how they manage the business. Yeah, look, I mean, I probably couldn't have said it better myself. Um, foundations have got to be right. Um, gone are the days where we open the doors and the customers, you know, line up outside and, and are running in, running in through those doors. Um, retail, it, it is tougher. You know, there's more opportunity out there for customers, they aren't as brand loyal as they used to be, um, the globalization of retail and the opportunity for consumers to, um, you know, access, get access to product um, very easily, it's been a game changer and the basket has absolutely um, been spread or diluted um, across many retailers now. So I think, um, yeah, further to, further to that point around getting the fundamentals right, you need to have your inventory in order. You need to have that, you know, real-time view of inventory. You need to be giving every product an opportunity to sell across all of your touch points. No longer can, uh, I think, retailers survive with an antiquated sort of legacy approach to retail um, because the turnover and, and the sales that were there in the past aren't there. So it's about being a smarter retailer. And I think, first and foremost, it's building those foundations and getting... Yeah, getting the house in order. Well, and, and I think it's easier than ever, it's ever been for retailers to get their house in order. And not, not to not to say that doesn't come with some challenges, but yeah, I, one of the things I um, uh, I'm interested by is looking at cycles and behaviours and how things change. And if we look back to how 
the e-commerce world, as it was called back then, started, that the only way you could get started with an online presence was to have a, a big development team and some really smart people who could build websites that really engaged people and could For hundreds of thousands re of dollars. really customize everything. Um, and that that gave you an advantage at that point. So if you had the best tech team and you had the deepest pockets, you could get the most customers to your site, you could sell the most product. There are platforms that were developed and commercialized that went out there, and Shane mentioned Demandware as being one of them before. Um, Magento uh, is another one. There's a whole range of platforms out there that, that democratized that process. So it became much easier for a retailer to get access to a really, really impressive platform that could engage customers. And I think the same is happening right now around the fundamental pieces, so around real-time views of inventory, around the ability to manage orders and to fulfill from various different locations. There are cloud technologies out there. They're far more accessible now than they've ever been before. So acknowledging the challenge is one thing, um, and then also understanding that you don't have to have the deepest pockets in the world to solve that problem these days. Yeah. And uh, finally, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the retail environment being more of an experiential hub. For, for customers, that's a big shift we're seeing in the U.S., is that you're building retail to have these environments like mini amphitheaters and, um, you know, just areas where they can convert the space or multifunctional retail, essentially. Are you seeing that here as well? Are you thinking about that with newer store rollouts? Um, yeah, look, I mean, we're definitely seeing that with flagship stores uh, across the market. Mm -hmm. um, customer experience in stores becoming a really big thing. Um, I think with the you know the market over here is definitely following the US in, in that sense and, and other other um, regions. Um, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, you can do all these things, but uh, it's got to relate to the customer. And for us, something that we're really putting a big focus on these days is our people. Um, you can you put as much tech in as you want, but ultimately it comes down to the people in store, your staff, your teams, and it's about them providing a great experience and then providing a reason for the customer to come in store. Um, if the customer doesn't come in and feel special, um, what's the reason for them to come into store? What are your overall thoughts um on two things. One, uh, the current state and future possibility of uh, virtual reality. And second is shopping through television, smart TVs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the first one we talk about VR, um, without doubt, um, I think it's, it's something that has been talked about. It's something that has been tried in retail. Um, I think it'll be similar to a lot of technology in, whilst it has been a slow burner and there were potentially some that came to market maybe a little bit early, but that, that ha needs to happen. There needs to be pioneers. Um, I do think if we come more mainstream, we will see a lot more in-store over the next few years, but also think not just in-store. I think, uh, you know, with, with the explosion of gaming and you talk about who our future customers are um, and how they're consuming, you know, how they're consuming as, as people. Um, so that customer... Sorry? That consumer behaviour is certainly going to have a knock-on effect, and it needs to have relevance. Um, some, I mean, some of, something we've recently launched is uh, image search, so where a customer can take a screenshot on the fly on Insta or uh, take a photo on the fly, upload that, and look for a similar um, outfit from Q. Which um, you know, what solution are you using for that? Is that like a Heretech um, or? Uh, so we're we've partnered with Alibaba, mm -hmm. um, and they're image search solution for that 
Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that um, we are starting to see some more traction on. Um, I think voice, um, natural language, uh, we're all getting, we like to say the word lazy, but we're getting used to talking to devices. Um, I mean, hands-free in cars, talking to mm-hmm. for navigation, um, with home assistance, all those things that are happening. I think there's a lot of play to happen then uh, in that space. And I think, um, you know, the way that we're consuming our media and our our TV, essentially, our TV shows and uh, and movies. I think, without doubt, I could see uh, yeah some great opportunities um, in the not too distant future to shop. Um, everything's about the immediacy, immediacy now, the instant gratification. Um, and I think, as consumers, we're all getting frustrated if we can't have what we want when we want it. Um, it's as simple as I've just come back from a holiday, and uh, one of my nine-year-old daughters made a comment about um, you know. Can we just uh, can we just go to the menu and pick one of the movies to watch? <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean they had, there was something like sixty or seventy channels options. Mm. Uh, however, it was so foreign to her that she couldn't go to Netflix or couldn't go to you know over here at Foxtel on demand and pick what she wanted or YouTube. Yep. Um, and that's just a fundamental shift, and, and that rate of change. Um, will certainly have big impact on retail and it's important for us as retailers to make sure that we're meeting those, um, you know, the expectations of our future customers. That's yeah, interesting. I, th- I, think, yeah. I, I think you're right on the voice thing. Um, we, we had a hackathon in, uh, in at Fluent a couple of weeks ago and the tech and product team together configured or hacked or extended an Alexa to order a beer from the fridge. Um, seeing how much voice, you know, when they had the opportunity to do whatever they wanted, they thought voice commerce. Um, my kids now are really happy with OK Google or Hey Siri. Absolutely. Um, and, and to your earlier question about, you know, shopping through TVs, that, that gives me pause for thought to say, I, I don't know about your houses, but, but the TV is less of an engagement in our house these days. The kids have got devices, we've got devices, there's other than going specifically to Netflix or Foxtel on demand to go and see something, we're, we're browsing the TV less. So I, well, I certainly finding, think the You're finding there. e-commerce apps inside of Apple TV, right? So yeah. stores are actually building their own portals so that you could shop through your television as a as a tablet or whatever yeah. it might be. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a convenience play. I mean, um, and it, it, yeah, it's keeping up with the consumer. Yeah. demands or consumer expectations. And you hit it with your nine-year-old daughter. I mean, essentially, like, we have to all adapt, I think, the to, to this on-demand expectation or this on-demand consumer expectation now that is that exists. It's just that is the fundamental shift that everyone has to has to kind of grapple with and, and adjust to or adapt to. Absolutely. So. And, and it's, about, it's about picking the right time as well. Um, I mean, like I said, there's sometimes great opportunity to get some good press or get a bit of PR around um, some emerging technology. But fundamentally, um, you need to focus as a business, I think, on um, bringing these or adopting these uh, new initiatives or technology when the market's ready for it as well. Otherwise, the ROIs won't be there and um, you're going to spend all your time providing things for your customers that they're not really ready for. Um, so I think that's you've got to make sure you're close um, yeah. That fast follower is, is not a bad mentality with, with a lot of these things. It's not always about being first, but it's about being great yeah. when you do do it. Absolutely. Well, it's a perfect time to uh, 
take a break. And when we come back, we're going to learn more about Shane and less about Q Clothing. Uh, right back with off-the-grid questions here at Fashion Is Your Business at the online retailer program uh, in partnership with Nora and Fluent Commerce. Are you interested in conversations about the crossroads of business and innovation? What if those conversations were about the largest industry in the U.S.? Hi, I'm Tom Kutzman. If you answered yes to both of those questions, then it's about time you check out Real Estate Is Your Business on the Mouth Media Network. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. All right, so now we are back with off-the-grid questions, and of course I brought my big-ass big, big ass wheel of grid destiny over here to uh, determine who, Jamie or myself, will go first with this question. So I will go ahead and give it a big, big spin. Um, just didn't seem to get greased up today, so uh, it, uh, it didn't seem to move, and it just kept on me, so I, I'll start. Uh, Shane, I'm wondering, uh, you know, uh, obviously you're very immersed in technology. You're the CIO of a, a quite relevant um, company. I'm wondering the first time going back to childhood that you played with a technology that really, really just marveled you and put you on that path of discovery and, and intrigue. <laughs> okay, so my first foray into technology was a VIC-20, so pre-Commodore 64. And uh, back in those days, um, painfully, you had to essentially type in code to, yeah. to start a game. It was all and on MS-DOS, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the irony was that uh, 30 years later, when I started working at Q, um, the point-of-sale system that I adopted was a DOS-based point-of-sale. <laughs> so there's some irony. Um, but look, from a... Venture back 20, yeah, 25 years yeah. at least. And that just shows, um, you know, consumer behavior versus, you know, sometimes as retailers or technology, how it's, it's accelerating a lot more now, but sometimes these things take a long time to mature. Um, and then, but I, I suppose from my perspective, where I come, um, come sort of around with technology or where I sort of think about technology is, from my perspective as a kid, I was always trying to reverse engineer everything. So really trying to understand how things worked, whether that be tech, you know, from a technology perspective or probably more so from a mechanical perspective or just really ask the question of how and then, uh, and then from there work out how I could actually, you know, adopt what I've learned into something that, uh, that I could, uh, you know, try and work into everyday life and just sort of, I suppose, life hacks as a kid. That was, uh, that was my way of uh, approaching, uh, yeah, technology or innovation. Great. And uh, one last spin of the wheel here. And, um, I mean, every triangle here is Jamie's name, so it, it, did, yeah. and it did end up on your name. So. Yeah, your, uh, <laughs> your recollection of your first foray into technology reminded me of loading computer games on a cassette and waiting 45 minutes before you could play them. So I'm, I'm showing my age a little bit, but it was a, a nice trip down memory lane anyway, I remember. Um, 
Uh, given that we're here in Australia, a, a very sporting country, we're right in finals football season, looking forward to a big summer of sport coming up later in the year. Um, tell us a bit about your sporting allegiances. Um, so I'm a rugby league fan uh, and I'm lucky enough these days to go for the Cronulla Sharks. I wouldn't have said that uh, for those that know rugby league well, but uh, we were long-time runner-up or you know finalists and never winners up until a few years ago so now the monkey's off their back um i'm quite enjoying supporting them and they they are in the mix this year so um yeah that's that's my um i suppose my number one from a sporting perspective for following and outside of that uh i'm lucky enough to be heading up to darwin to go barramundi fishing with five mates in uh, in a week's time so yeah, fabulous. Well, uh, uh, one thing that uh, the audience might not know is that you're up for an award or, or two at the uh, the Online Retail Industry Awards this evening. So uh, in the vein of the Sharks, uh, good luck. I hope you go well. Thanks, mate. And uh, lastly, uh, what type of folks are you looking to connect with today? Uh, look, from my perspective, it's um, really like-minded um, technology enthusiasts, uh, but also retailers and really anyone that wants to you know have a chat or you know, talk about change and the rate of change and where the opportunities lie in this uh, in the changing landscape of, of retail these days uh, the best way of contacting me is probably on LinkedIn so that's uh, s-h-a-n-e uh, l-e-n-t-o-n so just look me up on LinkedIn and, and reach out great Shane Lenton uh, an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you so much for participating cheers Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for my co-host, uh, Jamie Cairns, thanks for joining me today. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. This is Pop and Ball, and this has been Fashion Is Your Business. Uh, thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.